Chapter Twenty Two of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter Twenty Two: The City History Club Visits New York. Edwina's shrewd prophecy that Mister Brooks would take them to New York in his automobile was quickly fulfilled i am going to take those budding historiographers of yours to new york on christmas eve on a spree began jack who had met betty and her father at the station and was taking them home in his car they were rolling along slowly and gently and jack emphasized his determination by honking terrifically at an inoffensive dog that had strayed into the road a spree my serious city history club well then call it a pilgrimage jack compromised when he found himself master of a long stretch where he let her out a few notches as he said and betty had to grab hastily at her hat i'll take them over to new york and show them all the history that's good for youngsters of their tender years my mother will go and we'll have a bully luncheon at a terribly historical house i know of for of course you history sharps wouldn't eat in any other kind of a place oh that's just the thing how kind you are jack cried betty above the whistling of the wind in their ears but do take us to the places on our list for craig has made out a perfect itinerary for us dunny'll have to run an annex with his car i can't carry more than ten in mine and they'll be rather snug at that as long as we don't crowd your mother the more the merrier i do wish we could take at least one poor child who doesn't have sprees at christmas time why not john's lydia and dorcas that'd be jolly that lydia's a brick i know from that red crop of hers i'm afraid to tell edwina that we're going she won't sleep a wink tonight for she's corresponding secretary of the club and she'll have to send out all the notices will she worry about it asked jack solicitously for he really was very fond of edwina who in turn adored him worry about it gracious no she'll be too puffed up with pride to sleep she'll lie awake composing them the next day edwina held supreme occupancy in the book-room her small glossy black head bent resolutely over a sheet of note-paper was turned at frequent intervals to a small book which lay open before her its title was the gentleman and lady's book of politeness and propriety of deportment it once held a prominent place in betty's grandmother's bookcase but edwina was blissfully unconscious of its antiquity with such a well of courtesy to draw from she felt fully equal to the requirements of her lofty position as the corresponding secretary of the city history club at first betty had thought of writing out an invitation to the christmas eve automobile party for her to copy but she and lois had decided that as edwina had schemed for the office it would be as well to allow her to have some of its burdens for so far it had been a sinecure her first note was to christine her favorite christine was three years older than herself but edwina couldn't see why she shouldn't be paired off with her instead of always with that little dotty who was three years younger in a postscript she asked christine to be sure to save her a seat beside her in the car edwina felt no uneasiness over her responsibility 
she knew how to write an excellent note but now she wished to excel all past triumphs hence her drafts on the book of politeness meditatively she chewed the end of her penholder if i hadn't stood up for my rights they'd never have had a corresponding secretary she said to herself now i'll show em what they'd have missed when betty reached home she was met at the door by edwina whose face was flushed and preoccupied she pulled betty at once into the book-room she was holding the old book with a forefinger stuck in it to mark a place i've been writing the notices she pointed proudly with the book towards the snowy heap on the desk i've written to every single member of the club but i'm not sure where to date dotty's letter she's so young betty looked puzzled just as you did the others oh no edwina exclaimed opening the book and holding it before betty with her finger marking the passage it says the date of a letter may be at the beginning when we write to an equal but in writing to a superior it should be at the end all my dates are at the beginning cousin betty but dotty's younger than i am and she can't read or write and i don't know where to date her letter betty couldn't keep her face straight any longer and burst out laughing oh edwina what would i do without you she cried throwing her arms around the important little figure i don't see anything to laugh about pouted edwina who felt pretty sure that betty was laughing at her still intent on her work she drew out of betty's arms i'm laughing because you're the joy of my life edwina looked darkly and critically at the old book of politeness but would not deign to question betty further after betty left the room she sat curled up in the big chair and pondered over it deeply i don't know why cousin betty laughed but i won't put any date on dotty's letter was her conclusion the notices were duly sent out and the club met at the appointed hour not a member was absent and john's girls ran through the gate long before anyone was ready jack and dunmore came up in their cars in high feather as though they were going to a game between their rival varsity football teams craig brought his little sister over his was the only studious face in that merry moving group he carried a threateningly large roll of paper and his list of historical places in new york surprised even mrs brooks daughter of the revolution though she was to say nothing of being a colonial dame betty remonstrated a little on its erudite contents but this is the chance of a lifetime for most of these children he protested earnestly i know craig but these sweet infants aren't working for a degree in history as you are besides as sir walter says ah dunny now you will hear the true inwardness of this abstruse problem to study history or not to study it that's the question interrupted jack hear hear applauded dunny i am perfectly delighted to see such enthusiasm over one of the greatest of men and betty turned with much manner to the cheering boys stung hissed jack as i was about to remark resumed betty turning her back on them and addressing herself to craig he says he doesn't so much approve of tasks and set hours for serious reading as of the plan of endeavoring to give a taste for history to the youths themselves 
betty waved airily towards jack and dunny stung again they exclaimed in a breath beating their chests tragically that's all very well but these youngsters oughtn't to miss this rare chance to learn something grumbled craig for to learn was the aim of his life the children tumbled headlong into the two great cars in a gale of merriment and chattering mrs brooks's presence did not awe them into silence for she entered wholly into their larkish little journey for the first few miles every passer-by smiled on them as though in benediction heads were turned to look after them and very often peals of laughter seemed to follow before long jack instead of giving back his usually friendly smile began to frown down on the pedestrians who looked up at them so cheerily then followed them with mocking laughter as it appeared the brooks had not as a rule found their big machine the cause of any but speculative or perhaps anxious looks as they drove through the village we seem to be furnishing the public with a good deal of fun some way or other he said to betty as two men stopped abruptly and on looking after them hooted loudly people are naturally benevolent jack and love to see children having a good time we're all laughing and it's contagious said mrs brooks looking round on the bright young faces it's mighty curious said jack as a group of boys pointed after them and jeered as they flew by after another mile or two jack brought his car to a standstill i'll bet a cent that that kid brother of mine has been putting up something on us he wanted to come along and i wouldn't let him he said as he jumped down and walked around the car examining it carefully confound that little rascal they heard him exclaim vigorously under his breath what is it jack his mother called out anxiously look at this will you he came around the car holding up a huge white placard on which was printed in big inky letters seeing new york fifty cents jack brooks chauffeur that's why your dear benevolent people laughed at your children who are having such a good time said jack upbraiding betty laughingly throwing the torn pieces of card into the road once started the club could not stop laughing they kept nudging each other and one could not look into another's eyes without causing them all to break into a series of giggles then edwina would poke her finger at jack's back and off they would all go again it was a happy party the dry crisp air whipped the color into their cheeks and their eyes danced and sparkled as farmhouses telegraph poles wayside inns and railroad stations flew by in bewildering succession no one who looked at them could doubt that it was christmas eve at the ferry in long island city they stopped to wait for dunny to come up with the remainder of the club and miss jane they were engrossed with the frantic efforts of two great draught horses to pull a heavily loaded truck out of a rut when they were recalled by hearing their names oh edwina christine marybelle phyllis turning they saw dunny's car bearing down on them miss jane was sitting proudly erect beside dunny while the remainder of the club members were standing up and waving hats muffs and handkerchiefs jack's young passengers sprang to their feet and waved frantically in response while edwina screamed 
Oh, we beat you. We beat you. We got here long ago. The car glided up beside their own, and while they stood there waiting for the boat to come in, the two parties of girls chattered, all at once and all at the top of their voices, about the exciting incidents of their ride. Their elders talked more quietly, perhaps, but not less happily. My, but these here carriages certainly goes, said Miss Jane to Mrs. Brooks, in a burst of enthusiasm that made Betty and Lois look at each other in wonder. And while we was scootin' along there so fast, it almost took the hair off my head. I do declare it didn't make no more noise than my old singer sewin' machine. After crossing the ferry, the party drove to the home of Margaret Weldon, Phyllis's cousin. She had spent the preceding summer in Hobart and had helped the club in their historical studies. The tall, bright-faced girl was standing at one of the long windows of the brownstone house, with hat and coat on, and evidently waiting impatiently for the girls. As soon as the car swung up to the curb, she flew out of the door and sprang into Jack's car, amid the greetings of the party. "'Where away first, Craig?' called Jack. "'To St. Mark's Church, 10th Street and 2nd Avenue,' answered Craig. "'We'll go there and have a look at old Peter Stuyvesant's grave.' then from there we'll work downwards finishing at the battery of course we can see very few places in part of one day and these i have noted with our luncheon will take about all the time we have before the children's festival service at old trinity so start us off quickly they rolled downtown until they reached st mark's where the children read with much curiosity the tablet which related that in this vault lies buried Petrus Stuyvesant, late captain-general and governor-in-chief of Amsterdam, in New Netherland, now called New York, and the Dutch West India Islands, died in A.D. 1671-72, to 72, aged 80 years. From there, the club ran over to see the New York Society Library, said to be the oldest library in America it was chartered by george the third in seventeen seventy two new york city is a city of changes said craig but this library never changes unless it has to it has been in this building for fifty years and you will i think find it very quaint and interesting why is it called a society library mr ellsworth asked edwina is it only for society people it sounds that way doesn't it but when it was started society meant only an organized company yet for many years it was really one of the social centers of the city the fine old gentleman of a generation or two ago used to meet here regularly to discuss the topics of the day and i believe the ladies too met here frequently for social intercourse and even it is said let me whisper it for gossip laughing at craig's simulated horror they passed into the staid old building when they came out some minutes later the little girls raced down the steps and piled into the cars with cries for the next stopping place this proved to be city hall park where they drew up in front of the statue of nathan hale and craig told them briefly the story of that martyr then springing out of the cars they walked sedately up to the city hall where he drew their attention to a tablet which they read with awe 
uniting as it did the name of general george washington with the declaration of independence near this spot in the presence of general george washington the declaration of independence was read and published to the american army july ninth seventeen seventy six across the street on one of the walls of the post office building they found another tablet which told of the liberty pole that stood near that spot from seventeen sixty six to seventeen seventy six this pole was the cause of frequent conflicts between the tories and the sons of liberty and in defense of it the first martyr blood of the revolution was shed in what was called the battle of golden hill the next stop in the excursion was at bowling green here craig explained its use for the village sports in the early days and told them that the iron railing surrounding it was set up in seventeen seventy one those posts have had their heads knocked off commented mary bell i imagine you don't know that you're speaking the exact truth laughed craig for those posts had heads the fence was brought here from england and the heads represented the members of the royal family they were knocked off by the patriots during the revolution and the lead statue of king george the third which stood within the enclosure was broken up and used to make bullets for our army but it's getting rather late he continued and i think we had better go to one place more france's tavern then have our luncheon after that we'll go to st paul's and then we'll have time to look around at old trinity before the children's service begins they spent some minutes examining the celebrated france's tavern which washington made his headquarters in seventeen seventy six and where he delivered his farewell address to his generals in seventeen eighty three then went for their luncheon ho for st paul's cried craig when they had finished now you'll see the prince of wales's feathers on the old pulpit said betty to phyllis oh exclaimed several of the girls do you think they will let us sit in washington's pew we'll try it anyhow smiled mrs brooks if they charge us we can do as general washington did when confronted by an overwhelming force beat a masterly retreat but who can resist such sweet things as you children not daring to whisper hardly daring to breathe the girls tiptoed into what craig had told them was the only surviving ecclesiastical relic of the colonial era in the city and sat reverently in washington's pew to their delight no one disturbed them and some of them closed their eyes and tried to imagine the grave dignified figure of the father of their country at their side then they examined attentively the monument to general montgomery who they had learned fell before quebec in seventeen seventy five crying to his troops men of new york you will not fail to follow where your general leads from st paul's they went down broadway to old trinity as they entered the churchyard craig stopped them for a moment and called their attention to wall street explaining that it took its name from a wall that had once been there to protect the little village from the indians then turning to the church he continued trinity parish is very old and has had a great influence on the history of the city rector street is named after its rectors 
vesey street after its first rector barclay after the second while varick clarkson desbrosses morris ludlow duane and harrison streets and others were named after wardens and vestrymen aren't those sycamores beautiful exclaimed betty as they walked through the churchyard and all of it is so picturesque craig pointed out some of the quaint and curious epitaphs as well as the graves of william bradford the first printer in the colony alexander hamilton soldier statesman and patriot and of captain james lawrence commander of the frigate chesapeake who was killed in the battle with the british frigate shannon he's the one who cried don't give up the ship when he was dying whispered christine to phyllis phyllis nodded her head and gazed with deepening awe at the tomb of the hero the great organ was thundering with all its power when the club filed in and took seats on the side aisle well towards the front the church was in its christmas mood the pillars enwreathed in greens while the candles on the altar gleamed mysteriously through the gathering twilight presently the organ gave forth the tune of the processional hymn and the procession appeared in the lead came the verger bearing his staff according to the quaint old english custom behind him were two trumpeters leading the vested choir and the sunday school in singing once in royal david's city the club members joined heartily in all of the service but especially in the carol that seemed to be the favorite with the sunday school the snow lay on the ground the stars shone bright when christ our lord was born on christmas night when christ our lord was born on christmas night venite adoremus dominum venite adoremus dominum venite adoremus dominum the beautiful festival closed with the recessional o little town of bethlehem and then the club members followed the sunday school in the visit to the manger a realistic representation of the birthplace of the savior at the front of the church end of chapter twenty two recording by holly jensen